Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is week four of working through the Sermon on the Mount this summer. In this week, we had Mark Ayan do our teaching. Mark is the head of the board and our lead elder. Mark has loved and taken care of this church for many years, and we thoroughly enjoy the way he teaches and looks at scripture. And this week, Mark is looking at your heart and what you should be focusing on. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Here we go, everyone holding on. I will warn you now, there will not be nearly as much yelling as y'all are used to. It's just, it's just not in my nature. I, oh, I'll try. I've been practicing yelling. Um, it just gets really weird. So um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but we, um, anyone who's been paying attention has realized that we are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, Jason um, and Chris, uh, Chris kind of kicked the whole thing off, and Jason's been following along, and now I'm jumping in here. But kind of one of the common themes that's been going through the whole thing that Jason's been asking, and I don't know if he asked it in this way, but this is what I have written down in my notes, is this question. Are you really? Question mark. And I guess it's a point where we can all kind of fill in that blank for us. You know, am I really doing what you want me to do? Am I really different than all the people around me? Am I, am I really doing the thing that Jesus wants me to do? And part of that is wrapped up around what is my heart? Where is my heart? What am I doing? And so um, the other thing I'm going to warn everybody, Jason has hinted that Jesus really is not trying to make people comfortable through this sermon. Uh, there's a lot of hard stuff in here. There's a lot of questions he asks. There's a lot of challenges that he makes. And uh, unfortunately, this next section I'm about to talk about is not any different. It's a bit of a challenging section. And... Um, Let's read it now. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin. It's just five verses this week. We're going to get, begin in verse 19, <clears throat> and it says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust, rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. For the note-takers in the room... Um, basically, Jesus here asks three questions. Where is your treasure? Where is your focus? And who or what are you serving? So those are the three questions I'm going to answer today. Where is your treasure? Well, I may not answer them. I'm going to talk about where is your treasure? Where is your focus? And who or what is your serving? Are you serving? So the first couple of verses, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for your treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I feel like this stretch of, of Scripture gets quoted a lot. You see this on a lot of plaques. When we used to have Bible bookstores, you could go in and you would see like pillows that all say where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. And so for me when I read this and when I was thinking about this message, I was like, you know what, what do I say that everybody hasn't already thought about? Because clearly we all know this passage, right? We've all heard it. We all know, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Um, but just like Jesus has been doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to take that and he's going to flip it around. And the, the, the issue I think that most people have with this is where, there, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And I think when we start talking about people's hearts, people start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And they start to feel like, you know what? I know where my treasure is. I'm just going to leave it there. So I feel like in order to talk about this passage, we need to talk about treasures. What's a treasure? <clears throat> we all have things that we consider to be treasures. Um, I've, I've read a whole bunch of definitions on treasures. I will have you know over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what do I most want to attain or what do I least want to lose is one interesting definition that I found for a treasure. What do I want to attain or what do I not want to lose? So another thing I read about, you know, if my house was burning down, what would I grab? And that's your treasure. I guess Jesus breaks it down to two things. We have treasures on earth, we have treasures in heaven. And the treasures on earth, I think most of us think about stuff. It's the money, it's the toys, it's the clothes, it's the electronics, it's your phone. Um, you can fill in the blank. But it's those things in your life that get rusty or moldy or stolen. And so that's what he talks about, or I think that's what most of us think about, when we hear treasures on earth. But I think that truly in Jesus' mind, he's thinking it may not just be stuff. It may be anything that consumes your affections or con consumes your attention. Some people might even go far as to say they may be idols. And these could be things like my reputation. They can be things like always being right. They can be things like my time. They can be things like my honor. And throughout the Bible, there are a lot of people that you can read about who are consumed with their treasures on earth. Um, a general verse I want to read in Philippians chapter 3 verse 19. If you have a Bible and you want to go there, you can. But chapter 3, verse 19 says, man, there goes my Bible swag flying out. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I think we know people like that. Um, 
There's a couple examples that I wanted to throw out in Joshua chapter 6 and into verse 7. This is, there's the story of Achan, and you can read it, but basically um, as, the, as the Israelites were going into uh, Jericho, God said, I get all the, all the idols, I get all the things, and Achan said, that's great, God, except for these things, I'm going to keep them for myself. Uh, short story, it didn't work out well. So I'll let you all do that. Um, in, the old, or in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, if you read in Acts chapter 5, again, everyone is called to bring all their stuff in, and the disciples and the apostles were spreading it out. And Ananias and Sapphira said, you know what, we can just keep this much and then just tell everybody that we brought all the stuff. Um, it didn't work out for them either. Uh, but that's in Acts chapter 5. That's your homework if you want to go home and read that. <clears throat> and then in uh, Matthew chapter 19, there's a story of the rich young ruler, which, um, you know, basically this, this young man comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to have the, the kingdom of heaven? And he's like, sell everything you have. And the rich young ruler didn't like that idea. And so he walked away and chose not to do it. So the unfortunate thing is that as Jesus is talking on the mount, since it's called the Sermon on the Mount, most of the people he were talking to, they were thinking that the stuff is what's important. And as much as I like to stand here and say, boy, I am sure glad that we as a society have outgrown that, I can't really say that. Um, our world today still thinks this stuff is important. And honestly, the church today, in some degree this church today, thinks the same thing. And so as Jesus is talking about treasures on earth, he's talking about those things. Now, the issue is he's talking about your heart and where your heart is. And if I'm talking about my heart and I'm talking about the treasures, the question he's asking, the question that I'm throwing out for you guys today is, are the things that I'm thinking about, are the things that I'm prioritizing in my life, are they eternal or are they fleeting? Um, honestly, for me, the part where for all 50, well, I'll say 52 years, of my, I've, I always want to be 53, and my wife is like, you're not 53 you're only 52. So maybe I'll say 51 years because I probably didn't think about it in the first year. Um, for me, what falls apart is, what is this treasure in heaven thing? You know, what am, what am I supposed to do? Um, I heard a story once, and I like this because of my, um, my chosen profession. But there's a story about a man who was rich and he was near death. And he had grieved that he had worked so hard that he wanted to take his treasure to heaven with him. So he pleaded with God, he pleaded with God, if he could be allowed to bring one bag to heaven. So God said, okay. So the man went out in his backyard, dug up his gold, 
stuck it in a bag, and then when they buried him, they put the gold with him, so he took it with him. When he got to heaven, he was going through the whole check-in process, however that works. I don't know. But Peter apparently is in charge of the process, if you read the stories. Peter looked in the bag and said, sorry, you can't bring anything. And the man said, no, I have a note. God said I can bring it. So he opened it up, and Peter starts laughing. And the man's like, I worked hard for that. And Peter said, you brought pavement. Right? Streets of gold. You get it? Get it? Okay. Um, honestly, though, treasures in heaven, you know, if things, on tre- if things on earth, if our treasures on earth are the things that are fleeting and the things that are going to get stolen, you know, the opposite of that is those things that are going to transcend death. And if we're called to lay up treasure in heaven, what are the things that are going to transcend death? It's things like um, developing a Christ-like character, praying for people, edifying people. If you ever do a word study in the Bible, look up the one another verses. There's a bunch of them. Love one another, serve one another, edify one another, um, build up one another, exhort one another, encourage one another. Those kinds of things that are going to make an impact in people's lives. Those are the things that will live on in heaven. In Philippians chapter 4, we just finished Philippians in this church not too long ago. Chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Those are the things. Thinking about those things, building up your brothers and sisters and your fellow believers are things that you are building yourself to treasure in heaven. Um, The other thing that kind of goes along with this is, are you living your life in such a way that other people are going to want to go to heaven with you? How attractive am I to the world around me that someone's going to say, you know what, I want what that guy has. I want to see what he's doing. I will admit I have a bit of snark in my life. If you don't know what snark is, I can explain it later. Yeah, but most of you, honestly, sadly enough, have probably seen it from me in my life. And it's a thing, and, and I admit it, and I work on it, because um, I have been in cases, I've been in situations in my life where, where people have seen something different in me and have come up to me and said, I don't understand how you can do what you do and still get through life. And you know that gives me an opportunity to say, it's not through me, it's through Christ in me that does that. So, so one of these treasures in heaven is to bring other people with you. And what better way to do it? You know, there's that saying that sometimes I can't stand, but it kind of works good for a sermon. Preach the gospel always. Sometimes use words. Um, and I feel like that's, 
that's what God is calling us to do. When he's saying lay up treasures in heaven, he's saying, you know what? These things are going to be lasting. The impact that you are making on people's lives are going to impact them for eternity. These things that you are doing in your own life, studying the word of God, praying for people, um, you know, seeking these things that are lovely, seeking the fruits of the spirit, serving one another, these are the things that you are going to take with you as you go on into heaven. And so, but we're still, we still have that tricky thing about the heart. And, you know, the heart is a weird thing, and everyone's like, oh, it's my heart. Um, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It is the wellspring of life. It all flows from the heart. So is my heart focusing, is my heart desiring, is my heart prioritizing things that are permanent or is it prioritizing things that are temporary? So the second question, first question was where is your treasure? The second question, where is your focus? The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. You know, I will admit for a long time, I didn't understand these verses. This starts to get kind of in a weird place, and the eyes are the light and the, and the filters and all this kind of stuff. And then I started wearing glasses. And all of a sudden I realized, well, first of all, I realized before I wore glasses, apparently how many times a day I stuck my own fingers in my eyes. Because I am constantly cleaning fingerprints off of my glasses. And I'll be like walking along and going, why can't I see anything? And I'll go, oh, wow. So if my glasses are clean, I see better. And if you don't wear glasses, you may not understand that. But how many people have been in one of those churches um, built in the, in the 1,000s with stained glass windows? They're pretty, right? And they can be these big, huge pictures, and they can be flowers, and they can be whatever. They don't make it very easy to see what's going on. How many people have gone camping and the tent you're sleeping in is blue. And you wake up in the morning and everything is a weird color. Right? These are the things. This is what Jesus is talking about here. Is that there are these filters. We had, we had a situation when we were first married. For the young people in the room, you're not going to believe this. When we first got married, VCRs were like... It was like a car. I mean, our first VCR, like, we used a large portion of our wedding money to buy a VCR. I mean, it was like $600 to get a VCR. Yeah, if you don't know what a VCR is, thanks, Aaron, you can Google that one. And so when we bought it, it was at the point where I remember we bought it at Target, and when I bought it, the lady at the store told me, she said, tape the receipt 
to the bottom of your VCR because you can always bring it back. So that's what I did, thinking VCRs will last forever, which was another foolhardy thing. But um, so we had this VCR, and we'd had it for several years, and then we had a daughter. And then we had her for a couple of years, and, she, and uh, one day we were living, what? Yeah, we had her for a few years. Um, well, one day, the remote control on the VCR, because it was a wireless remote. My first VCR as a child had a wire that stretched across the room. And before, I know, and people are like, nuh uh. And before that, I was the remote control. And a lot of you will remember those days too. So one day, our remote control stopped working. And I'm like, oh boy. And then I remembered I have the receipt taped to the bottom of my VCR. There's no Target in Evanston, Wyoming. So we planned a trip to Salt Lake City to go to Target to turn in this vital piece of equipment. So as, I'm, as we're getting ready to leave, I pick it up and I hear this noise and I kind of shake it. Well, I found out my two-year-old, this is where the, we had her for a couple of years comes in, my two-year-old had been storing up her treasures in the VCR. And so whenever she had change, it would go in the slot because that's what slots are for. Luckily, it was never a sandwich. You know, you hear all the stories about people. Ours was just change. And one of the coins had gone in and blocked the eye that the remote control needed to communicate with. And oddly enough, after I shook everything around, the VCR started working. So, so it just shows me, it pointed out to me this story in keeping your eye clear. Now we all have filters. Um, we all have these focuses in our life and we all have stories and we all have a history and we all have a background and all these things are what you filter your life through. And there's no getting around that, you know. I have things in my life um, that have really influenced how I make decisions and how I'm living and all that kind of stuff. And I can say I have these filters because I have this background or I have this blah, 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 or this many children, or I don't have children, or whatever. The hard thing about this is that God says, you don't need filters. I need your eyes to be clear. I need you to be focused on what I'm doing. So if you go, um, Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that we call like heroes of the faith or depending on your Bible, it's going to have a lot of different things. But what it is, is it's a listing of people whose focus was crystal clear. 
that they had one thing in mind, and that thing was, what is God doing? Um, I'm going to read one example. Hebrews 11:17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises who uh, and he who had received the promise was in fact of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. If you don't know this story, basically God had told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach and all this kind of stuff. And a few years later, God tells Abraham, take that son, take him up on the mountain, and sacrifice him. Now, I will tell you, if God said that to me, my filters would be like, "Uh uh-uh. But what's amazing to me is that Abraham, because his eyes were clear and he was seeing God, and he was seeing the eternity of heaven, and he was like, okay, God, I don't understand it, but this is what you're calling me to do. Let's go. And he grabbed Isaac, and up the mountain they went. It turned out well, for those of you who don't know the story. But, but it's an example, and at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So God had been promising all these things to all these people, and they never saw it, but they lived faithfully, and they lived in the way that God wanted them to live because their eyes were clear, and they could see fully what was going on. Now, the end of this passage No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, My version said money. It also, there's other ones that say mammon. I like to say earthly treasures. Because I think that, you know, there's people who will tell you, you know what, I don't serve money but they're serving a lot of other things. They're serving the, the um, demands on their time, and they're serving you know, what they want to be when they grow up, and they're not keeping their eyes clear. They're not focused on the thing that God is calling them to do. Um, again, in Philippians chapter 3, and this is Paul speaking, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Honestly, Paul had everything. He was rich. He had the birth. He had the history. He had the money. He had the position. He could walk in whatever place he wanted, and they would do whatever he wanted, and he gave it all up for the sake of Christ. Paul was completely committed. Paul was all in on everything that he did. 
And that's what I think Jesus is calling us to do in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in Matthew 22, verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Nowhere in there does he say love your salary, love your benefits package, love your cell phone, love your... um, Baseball card collection. Whoa. I knew that one would hit hard. Nowhere in there does it say that. It says, love the Lord your God. Focus on heaven. Build up this treasure in heaven. And how do you build up those treasures in heaven? Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Serve them. Honor them. Edify them. Build them up. And live your life in such a way that people around you go, What's their deal? I know what's going on in their life, or I know what their life is like, and, you know, I know that they have kids at home and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all these things, but somehow they live their life in a way that I want to live my life. And it's, I mean, if you ever have that experience, it's humbling. I mean, it really is. It's a weird thing because you're like, I'm just living my life. And people are like, but I want to live my life like you. And it turns into the whole thing. But this is is what God is saying. And this is what Jesus said, you know, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors as yourself. And that, to me, is again what Jesus was saying here in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where it's going to be temporary and not lasting, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where they will last forever. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you um, for your word. Lord, as much as it uh, is hard to read sometimes, as humbling as it can be, and as much as sometimes I hear things that I don't want to hear, Lord, I know that you have called us to honor you and serve you, Lord, through your word. Father, I pray now that each one of us as we go from here, Lord, that we would live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies you. Father, we don't know who's watching. We don't know who's listening, Father God, but we know that if we live for you, that people will see us or will see you through us. Thank you, Lord, and uh, strengthen us in Jesus' name.